Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have together, the time that we have together in your spirit. We ask that that spirit will move on us, that it will instruct us, that it will guide us. And as we come to the portion of the service where your word is read, Lord, we ask that you bless the reading and the hearing of it, that these words will make their way deep into our hearts and that they will come alive there for us and continue to transform us and sanctify us for our journey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you were here the past few weeks, you might remember that we are talking about, uh, we're wrapping up the book of Acts, and in the past few weeks, uh, Paul has uh, been arrested. He's waiting transfer to Rome where he will stand trial, and so our passage that we read today comes from there. It is a, a little bit of a lengthy passage, uh, but it's, it's all necessary for the, uh, the story and the unfolding of it. So please stand if you are able and join us for the reading of the word. And the scripture this morning comes from the 27th chapter of Acts, verses 9 through 44. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And thus, because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Cauda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing the land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. 
And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach, but striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm not sure what's going on with this. It might have a short in it. Uh, Yeah, just turn this one on. Thank you. Uh, This is the final week in our uh, journey through the book of Acts. And we've said uh, all along that the point of this is to recover what it means to be the church in today's world. Because in so many ways, the church has sort of lost its way. They've lost the plot. We've lost the plot. Uh, we, we go back and we study books like Acts to get an idea of what the blueprint for the church initially was. And what we see is that they were guided by the Spirit. The apostles, Peter, James, John, Paul, they were all... Uh, extremely in tune with what the Spirit was trying to teach them and where it was leading them to go. And so as we've studied Acts, we keep coming back to that, that in order for us to be the church, we must be open to allowing the Spirit to lead us and to guide us uh, because God knows what is best for us so much better than we do for ourselves. Now, this requires a lot of trust. A lot in trust of God, uh, trust in God above the trust that we have in ourselves. And I know that's difficult today, especially in a world where we are constantly being told, believe in yourself. That's the message. That's the secular philosophy that is, is being pushed. And, and it sounds so inspirational. We, we see it on TV. We hear it in commercials. It's in music. It's, it's all over the place. The inspirational message of you can do anything. You can be all that you can be. You can put anything you put your mind to. Just believe in yourself and you can do it. You can achieve it. And it's tempting for us to say, yes, we believe fully in ourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with confidence. But that confidence must be anchored in our trust in God above our trust 
and ourselves. Now, I remember when I was 10, 12 years old, this silly movie called Joe Versus the Volcano with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And there was a part in it where uh, Joe, who's played by Tom Hanks, he he asked Meg Ryan, uh, do you believe in God? And she says, I believe in myself. And even as a 10, 12-year-old child, however I was when I I heard that, I remember thinking, ooh, that's not right. (laughs) But that's the message that that is always uh, being told to us. Believe in yourself above all else. Well, later on in the movie, uh, it ends up having a wonderful message, and, and, and I suspect that this would probably never be in a Hollywood movie today, but later on, they are shipwrecked, and Meg Ryan is in a coma. She's passed out, and, and Joe puts together, he makes a raft out of his luggage, and they're floating on there, and she's out cold, she's helpless, and as, he, as they're drifting in the middle of the ocean, one night he sees the moon, and it's huge, it's big and beautiful, and he prays, and he has this heart-to-heart with God. And then the next morning, they find land. And so there, even in that Hollywood movie, you have this message of belief in God, this trust in God, beyond a trust in ourselves, it'll do so much more for us. And that's the truth, because we can believe in ourselves all we want, but we are bound by our own limitations. Whereas when we place our trust in God, wonderful, wonderful things can happen that we never expected. God seems to speak a lot through storms at sea. Joe versus the volcano is just one example. But the hymn, It Is Well, was written by uh, Horatio Spafford, It Is Well With My Soul. And if you don't know the story of that, Horatio Spafford lost his his son in the Chicago fire. And then he took a job overseas and he sent his wife and his daughters ahead of him. And they they, uh, experienced shipwreck. And all four of his daughters died. His wife reached the other side and sent back a telegraph saying she survived alone. Later on, Horatio Spafford joined his wife across the sea. And as he passed the area where the shipwreck had been, where he had lost his daughters, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. God speaks to us in the storms. God speaks to us after the storms. God assures us of his presence even in the midst of darkness and turmoil. And we see this throughout the scriptures. We see Jesus walking out to the disciples on the boat. We see Jonah. Remember when he he ran away from his duty, his call to go to Nineveh. He got in a boat and and God was speaking uh, quite angrily through that storm. He was telling Jonah, you're not doing what I'm supposed to do. So we see God over and over again speaking to people through these storms at sea. And this is no exception right here. Paul has been arrested He's being moved to Rome to stand trial before Caesar, and then this storm happens. Now, this storm has a name. You know it's bad when it has a name, right? They call it the Northeaster, and it's actually a recurring storm. It still happens. It's a storm that comes in over a certain part, a certain area, and then it dies out and it goes back out, and it keeps returning, and they call it the Northeaster. And, uh, and, and like I said, a storm that has a name, it's... It's known to be bad, just like we name our hurricanes. They used to all be women's names. I don't know why we got away from that. Uh, 
You know, the, the joke was uh, they were named after women because what they do is they come in with all this flair and excitement and drama, but then they take your house and their car with, with them as they leave. <laughs> but, but you can't really make that joke anymore because now they're named after men, too. you got Hugo and Harvey and, and all of those. But this storm had a name, so it, it was known as a bad storm, the Northeaster. And Paul warned them. He said, look, if, if we go out, this, this is not going to end well. And they didn't listen. What this reveals to us is that God is sovereign, even in the midst of our free will, which is often our stubborn will. Now, I wouldn't be a good Methodist pastor if I didn't tell you that I believe in free will. Adam and Eve made the choice to eat the fruit in the garden. David, on the rooftop, made the choice to commit sin with Bathsheba. Jonah made the choice to flee and not go to Nineveh. And here in this passage, these men made the poor choice to go sailing when they shouldn't, even when Paul tried to warn them. We all make poor choices. We all make choices that are going to backfire on us. We all make choices that are going to do us in, do us more harm than good. But just as God delivered Paul and delivered these men, God is sovereign. And God can extend grace and mercy to us even in the midst of our poor choices. He can navigate us through any storm, even if that storm is our fault. And one thing I want you to notice about this passage is Paul emerges as a leader, and he's not even in what we consider a church setting. Now, we know Paul is a leader. He has skills for leadership because he, I mean, so much of the church as it exists today is because of his leadership. But here he is. He's not even in a church setting. He's a prisoner on a ship, and he's, he's showing traits of leadership. He's telling them what they should do, and after the, after the storm gets bad, he says, okay, listen, you need to save some of that food for yourself. You're going to need it. Don't throw over the prisoners because, uh, because God has told me that as long as they're here, as long as we're here, you're going to be safe. Y'all are conveniently located. Y'all are placed in in protection because we are here and because God wants to deliver us. So you see Paul taking on this this leadership role because that was his gift. That was his grace. And God gives us all gifts and graces. He gives us all talents. And so often when we think of our spiritual gifts, we only think about how we can use them in church. We think, well, I have the gift of mercy. I have the gift of blessing. I have the gift of teaching. How can I use that in the church? And that's wonderful. But the thing is, the church isn't this building. We are the church. So when we leave here, how are we continuing to use those gifts, those talents, those graces? Paul was using his far beyond the traditional church setting, but it was still his gift that God had given him. And it was on full display as he was there, even in chains, on this boat in the midst of a storm. And Paul's faith was unwavering. And you can say, of course it was unwavering. He had a vision. I, I, he had an angel come before him. I haven't had that. Well, see, Paul could hear what God was trying to say because Paul was open to the Spirit. Paul was trusting in God in a way that he couldn't even trust himself. And that's the message here. That if we are going to trust God, if we are going to allow the Spirit to guide us as a church, it can't be just here Within these walls. It can't be just here in the comfort of the sanctuary. Our trust in God, our openness to the movement and the guidance of His Spirit, 
It happens everywhere we go. Or it should, anyway. Our obedience to the Spirit. Our listening to the Spirit. Our willingness to give our talents for the sake of the kingdom. We take it with us far beyond the walls of this church building. Now, the final thing I want you to notice about this is people were saved. Their lives were saved simply because God had a plan for Paul. This is the opposite of Jonah. Remember, Jonah didn't listen to God. Jonah didn't listen to the Spirit. And he fled. And people were put in danger. And Jonah ends up on a boat being tossed about in a storm. And and Jonah realizes it. And Jonah tells the people, listen, y'all are all going to drown unless you throw me overboard. God is angry with me. I have not listened to what he has told me. I have not been obedient to the Spirit. You you have to throw me overboard or you're all going to die. And so they threw Jonah overboard and the men on the boat were saved. This is the opposite. Paul is on the boat and he is doing exactly what God wants him to do. He is listening. He is submissive to the Spirit. He is listening to God. He is obeying God. Even though it has meant years of imprisonment, he has been obedient to God. And because God wants to bless him and God wants to bless that situation, all the people on the boat are saved because of it. So you see, when we are obedient to God, we become a blessing not just to ourselves but to all the people around us. When we become open to the instruction and the guidance of the Spirit, it affects all those that we come in contact with. Now, God's plan sometimes looks improbable or even impossible. I'm sure that more than one or two people were thinking, Paul, you're never going to make it to Rome. You've been in chains for years now. You've been in prison for years. Now we're in the storm. We're shipwrecked. We're floating. We're heading to some island. They end up at an island called Malta. And even there, they get delayed. Paul gets bitten by a snake, but he survives it. The people at Malta are very hospitable, but it takes a long time for God's full plan to unfold. But eventually it does. And it's a good thing it unfolded the way it did, because by the time Paul got to Rome, finally, and the book of Acts just kind of stops, but Paul finally gets to Rome. He's still a prisoner, but by the time he gets there, Christianity has had a chance to spread ahead of him. And so when he gets there, he is welcomed. And he is treated well, even for a prisoner. His quarters are are well. He's eventually uh, released. And it's while he's there in Rome that he actually ends up writing several of the epistles that are in our Bible today. You see, God had a plan. God worked it all out for good. God conveniently located Paul where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there. Not a minute sooner, not a minute later. Sometimes the long way is the more beautiful way. If we're relying on God's Spirit to guide us, to take us there, that can absolutely be the case. We have sayings about life. Life is a journey. Well, if you go on any journey, sometimes the most scenic ones are a little bit longer. Whenever Claire and I go to Columbus for, to visit family or, or to, to go get groceries or whatever, when we come back, we know coming down 26 is a little bit faster. But coming down 41 is so much prettier. You've got all the, the pastures, the fields. You can see the goats and the cows and the horses out there. 
And so we'll go a few extra miles for the scenery. And sometimes it's the, that's the case in life. And sometimes we see things we don't want to see. Sometimes the scenery isn't beautiful. But if we are open to allowing the Spirit to guide us, if we're open to, open to allowing God to take us where we need to be, it will happen in His way and in His time. The journey through life will always have twists and turns, peaks and valleys. Some of what happens to us will be completely beyond our control, and some of what happens to us will be because of poor choices that we've made. We will all spend time in the wilderness. We will all spend time on the mountaintop. We will all spend time in the sunshine, but we will all spend time in the rain as well. Regardless of where we are at any given moment, God is sovereign and powerful, and he has the power and the ability to transcend any bleak circumstances, poor decisions, or hopeless outlooks that we may be experiencing. Whether we are here in the comfort that is often found in the walls of a church, or whether we go outside into the dark world around us, we can know God. We can hear God speak to us, and we can let him lead us so that his purposes might be fulfilled. No matter what we face, we are his children. No matter who we are surrounded by, we are still his church. And no matter where we go, no matter how far we've drifted, if we remain open to the teachings and the guidings of his spirit, and we place our trust fully in him, we will always be conveniently located because we will be held safely and securely in the palm of his hand. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for all the times we have placed so much hope, so much trust in ourselves, in our own ideas, in our, in our own abilities, in our own plans. We ask that you open us up to what you have to say to us day by day, not just as we are here in the sanctuary, but as we go about our day in the workplace, at home, at school. Lord, make us aware, make us attentive to your spirit and the ways in which you are trying to instruct us so that we can fulfill your plans, your purposes for our lives and not our own. And as we do this, Lord, we ask that you give us a sense of the grace and the the gifts that you've given to each of us so that we can be the church, your church, your body, wherever we go. We pray all these things in the holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning comes from the United Methodist Hymnal, hymn number 338, Where He Leads Me. If you've made a decision of any type today, I invite you, I encourage you to come forward and, and share that with us. Uh, if if uh, you desire to spend some time at the altar, it is always open. Uh, but please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 338.